What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 33 of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. We got a good one for you today. We got our buddy John Tate, who is coming on to talk about the Pirate Classic and the NC Strutmasters competition. And then we dive off into some awesome stories from his time working with Realtree, uh, doing editing, running the camera. We go from everything talking politics all the way into talking about Dale Earnhardt bumping bump racing and hitting bumpers on a snowy road so we got some really good stuff for you guys today and then we're also going to be covering uh what's going on with our youth turkey competition and then our first annual appalachian hauler hunters turkey classic so guys give it a listen stay all the way to the end because i promise it's going to be a good one y'all enjoy it to episode 33 of the back 40 skull sessions podcast i am shane poor here as always with christian gardner howdy howdy and we have a special guest on with us today we've got our good friend john tate on the phone with us how you doing john We're doing good. We're doing good, buddy. Episode 33, son. That's old Harry Gantt number. Yeah, we're we're moving on up through there. If we get our lazy butts in here a little more often, we'd have way more than that by now. (laughs) That's true. Oh, well. You know what? Life life just tends to to happen, and and we just have to kind of take it as it goes sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's the truth. It's been full of it here the last couple months, that's for sure. Especially this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy, man. I, I just hit the mute button. I've been watching Fox News about this Nashville shooting, and um, I tell you what, man. It number one, it's it breaks my heart for these families and, and and those folks and the kids that lost their lives. But it is such a scary world we live in, where parents have to be afraid. They are afraid to send their kids to school. Yeah, to a Christian school, a church school. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the one place you would think they would be the most safe. I mean, I remember growing up, man, school was fun. I mean, you know, you didn't even think about that kind of stuff happening. No, no, absolutely in not. Mall, in a mall, in a, you know, anywhere, much less a school, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've got an eight-year-old. I, you know, I don't know. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, and she was telling me the other day that they do drills a couple times a year for active shooters. And I'm saying, yeah. it's crazy. We used to do the tornado drill. Well, that's the yeah. same thing with us. Yeah, instead yeah. of doing a tornado drill now, they do an active shooter drill where they have to hide down behind desk and turn desk over and use them for shields and stuff. And I'm like, what has this world come to when our kids have to think about doing that kind of thing? Man, um, yeah. Yeah, don't even, yeah. I mean, how long is this podcast? <laughs> as long as it can be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and one of my best-selling things in the gun shop is we have bulletproof plates that you can slide into backpacks that are extremely lightweight yeah and we've got we sell the devil out of those for people to slide in it slides in where your uh pocket is for your computer and that way if if they're in that situation they can hold it up to their chest and at least give them a chance what uh what's those what are those those polymers what are they made out of they're they're a flexible material but they're a ballistic panel that will hold up uh, any handgun round, and it'll hold two twenty-three rounds that are not like armor-penetrating rounds. Wow, that's impressive, man. Yeah, they're crazy, and they're only like two pounds a piece. They're extremely light, but I just whenever I ordered them, I swear I shed a tear when I ordered them. Like literally, had a tear in my eye thinking about why we're having to order stuff like this. Well, heck, man, I used to—I mean, I used to have to order new, uh, notebook paper and pencils, and, and well, I didn't even order it. I'd go to the, the store and buy it. Yeah. I mean, you, you 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 know, you didn't think about having to go to school and and maybe not come home the next that the afternoon. I mean, what the? Gosh, I'm mighty man. It, um, you know, I I just have to. I bet. I mean, a lot of I have a lot of friends in Nashville. One guy, songwriter guy, I know. Um, he actually his kid was at that school, mm-hmm. and um, I haven't talked to him, but you know, he he posted something on social media saying that. His kid was fine and and everything, but just a very scary deal, a sad deal. And, uh, you know, they are obviously affected um, in, in more ways than any of us because it's so close to home. But, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, you know, you as a parent, I mean, I, I don't have any kids, but, I mean, I got a nephew that's my best little buddy in the world. And, you know, and I love kids anyway. Kids are the best. And for some, he, she, they were whatever kind of person. I don't care if they're black, white, green, yellow, orange. I don't care what your affiliation is or what you, for you to have that kind of a mind to go in that much evil living in you to go inside of a school and kill children. Yeah. And 60 year old, 60 year old teachers. For real. they, They ain't no fixing that. No, there's no. not. Well, it was fixed at the say, end. That, there's one way to fix it, but that's the only way. Hey, the cops fixed that one anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's coming out of a, a group that claims tolerance and wanting tolerance and acceptance, but it seems like it's always the same ones. Tolerance. Yeah, they, they beg for tolerance and don't give any. No, no. 
but don't get me don't get me riled up son. <laughs> <laughs> we're all about getting riled up i can't that's about what we do more than anything on this podcast. But yeah it, like you say it's yeah <laughs> it, it's a sad time but one thing that's not a sad time is we are just right on the cusp of April, which means it's almost time to start chasing turkeys in North Carolina. Man, I've got one that's been teasing me this past week. He's, he's behind my house. In oh, my gosh. Strutting <laughs> So you know me. I got my camera lens out there, right? I'm zooming in. I'm like, what you got on your, on your legs, son? And I'm oh, telling yeah. you what now, he has got some freaking hooks, buddy. Good <sighs> grief. That's like, awesome. Son, just hang on a little longer. Just a buddy. little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, heck yeah, that's awesome, man. I, we've got some up here that's doing the same thing. It's, it's, it's an exciting time, and yeah, it is, man. Um, leaves are changing, and I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, a buddy of mine I do real estate with, and he was like, "I love spring, man. I love the, you know, uh, seeing the, the, you know, that that bright green, that early spring bright green, absolutely, green up and." and birds are chirping and he has he's, he lives in georgia he's got turkeys gobble behind his house he gets every, up every morning and listens to him and you know it's like you know i was thinking yesterday or today he said i can't remember which but he said i want to get up and enjoy this because you think about it you, as far as a green up or changing the leaves changing in the fall you don't have but about if you're lucky 70 or 80 of them that you get to see in your lifetime yeah yep. yeah and he said so i so I, I i'm trying to soak it in man i don't know it's just a very reflective moment uh that he he mentioned for himself that that had me feeling the same and yeah um, yeah um we're just so blessed and lucky and 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 when, luck i don't believe in luck i believe in we're blessed and and and, and shown favor but from god but it, it's that we get to enjoy it and number one and, and number two we get to appreciate it yeah oh yeah it makes you wonder how people that don't hunt, they just they don't realize what they're missing. Whoop, John, did we lose you there? I think I heard the phone beep. Sure did. We lost him. Get him back on there. Sorry about that, guys. We've had a, a little technical difficulty there. John's phone call dropped out. We're going to get him right back on here. Ooh. Maybe. Maybe. We're trying it. <laughs> Gotta love Verizon, boys. Yeah. Are you on Wi-Fi calling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might have to edit this part out, but we probably won't. Nah, probably not. It's part of the real thing. That's exactly right. That's life in the mountains, guys. We ain't got service no more. Oh. This is what me and Joe was talking about at work today, is how we ain't got no service, like phone bills a couple hundred dollars a month and you yeah. got no service to prove it but if you go anywhere off this mountain it works you don't great. have horizon you're hurting yeah <laughs> so yeah you may have to call him back he's probably still talking <laughs> he might still be talking yeah yeah he's probably still talking but it's like we were saying guys it's if you don't hunt which if you're listening to this podcast you probably do hunt so you know what we're talking yeah. about i just don't see how people that don't hunt no go I, go because they don't know what they're missing i mean it, it really is it's more of a, a rebirth well just like joe it's was just, saying about having seven if you're lucky have 70 or 80 of those yeah oh i think we got him back there we go now we got him back on yep. here yep. hello sorry about you. that buddy gotta love uh technology huh well it's life in the mountains son there's no service up here anywhere we're on wi-fi calling even the wireless networks don't work up here yeah oh yeah 
I'm sure, man. Whatever happened to them good old, old uh, dependable landlines? Yeah, no joke. For real. No you joke. a little hum in there, but they still work. Yeah. They work. Yeah, most of the time. Of course, yeah. up here where we're at, if it's raining, the landlines don't work real well. Yeah, I was about to say. Rednecks have shot too many doves off the of power lines. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I'm not going to say who those rednecks are, but it's just, let's just say it happens. Well, I can't, yeah, well, I mean, I can't say nothing. I've I, I picked a bird or two off the old telephone line before. <laughs> well, they're a little easier to hit when they're sitting still. That's right. It's just that bottom line's got a little more juice to it. It's a little thicker. It's easier to put <laughs> yeah, pellets in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like going to the, to the you know, the, to the county fair and picking them up at the shooting gallery. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah, those things, they eat too good to let them get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, oof, they are so good. Oh, yeah. So good. So we were we were talking about turkey hunting and and being blessed to to enjoy it. And, and you, you said something about you wonder how the folks that don't hunt, you know, I think we got cut off after that. Yeah, yeah it's they don't know what they're missing. I, I mean, they really don't. They don't get to enjoy nature and they don't get to see God's creation like we do and really, really just soak it in. Yeah, um, and I think this COVID stuff, man, and maybe it's changed. I don't know, but. You know, this COVID stuff, two or three years ago, our, you know, folks started buying more land and getting away from the cities and being self-sufficient. And, and you know, uh, there was a huge exodus of a lot of the bigger cities in, in certain ways and towns. And I think some people, maybe nowadays, do do get to enjoy it more because they're the ones that bought the property. And whether it's five acres, ten acres, or a thousand acres, whatever it is, you know, more and more people are, are wanting to move out. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know, it's just kind of like you know, we want everybody to enjoy the outdoors because let's face it, our numbers from uh, from a hunter and a next generation hunter standpoint, <clears throat> that you know, I hate to be doom and gloom, but they're not what they used to be because nobody takes their kids hunting and fishing anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, and you know, when we grew up, took it for granted, and. and and everybody, not everybody did it, but a lot of people did it. Yeah. And you just, this is one of those things. It was a rite of passage to go dove hunting Labor Day weekend. Yeah. And, you know, squirrel hunting in the fall and deer hunting and, and uh, you know, just different things. But um, it's just not that way anymore, man. There's so much, life is so much busier and so many more distractions uh, that it's just it's going by the wayside, you know? Yeah. For sure. Well, and it's, when we were growing up, it was like the first day of deer season, the first day of bear season was an expected holiday at school. They knew you wasn't going to be there. Yep. I mean, it was less than half the kids were in attendance at school and everybody else was in the woods. And right. it's it's just yeah. not that way anymore. No, it's not. And, and you know, I get there's deer, well, well, I may, I'm dating myself here, but when I was growing up, you know, you had football and basketball and baseball. Yeah. And my parent, my parents were so good to me. They they drove me two practices a week, games on the weekends for football and basketball was all during the week and at night. Up late helping with homework and baseball in the spring, and you know, <clears throat> they didn't have to do that, but they did. But now there's kids that playing travel baseball, football. Uh, you know, basketball, travel basketball. Yep. Then you got, you know, golf and ultimate frisbee and soccer. Soccer's huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many more sports and so many more things that are, that are you know, <clears throat> taking up these kids' time that 
they never have a moment to breathe, much less get introduced to anything new. Yeah, you know, like the outdoors. So uh, it's kind of a, a, a good transition into why Miles Menges, my, my, my buddy, and, and I started the Pirate Classic. You know, Miles called me. It's a turkey hunt in the eastern part of the state, out there in Greenville, same location we have the Strutmasters. And that hunt, it's, it's a one-day event, and it's actually coming up this Saturday, April 1st. Yep. And we we started it. Miles had the idea to let's, let's take, let's just see if we can get 10, 20 kids, you know, signed up and take them hunting somewhere. Yeah. And, and, and turkey hunting. And let's, let's just try to pass this on or create something. And little did he know what the when the idea took a hold. You know, he and I got on the phone, and, and I called Waddell. That first year we did it, we, we got a hold of two or three of the local NWTF chapters up that way in that part of North Carolina. They were all about it. Michael was like, heck yeah, man. Back then, Michael was actually the main spokesman for the National Wild Turkey Federation. So he's like, man, I've got to do some appearances for those guys anyway. This sounds like a great one for me to, to, me to do. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah, heck yeah, I mean, so for sure. That first year, I think we had 110 kids sign up. Good night. My gosh. 20 or 25 of those kids, we had mentored hunts through NWTF guides, and, and a lot of our friends took kids, too. Um, I took a kid. I think Miles took a kid. We were we were all hands on deck, but dang, it was fun. Gosh, yeah. And it has grown. So this is our sixth year coming up, and every year we've had – Anywhere from 200 to 300 plus kids register. Now, My Lord. 25 bucks, 25 bucks a kid. But for what that kid gets with that $25 is um, a Jake's membership for the NBTF. Yep. And, you know, them and their guardian, their parents, whoever, aunts, uncles, whoever takes them hunting, they're responsible for their hunting property, all that stuff. But when they come to the Pirate Classic uh, venue, the event, when they come in the door and they're registered, we give them a swag bag that's got at least one hat, if not two hats, a Yeti cup, stickers, turkey calls, duck calls, and you're getting $100, $100 worth of swag walking in the door. Nice. Oh, yes. That's awesome. Get, right. So, you know, we have uh, Bill's Hot Dog giving away free hot dogs to the kids, the, the, the creamery out there in Greenville, and uh, giving them away free ice cream. There's bouncy houses. We've got a huge stage built for all the kids. And, and that's the, the coolest part is for us is when that kid is lucky enough to kill a, kill a turkey and they come walking up the gravel there to come to the registration table and everybody's staring at them and clapping for them and, and looking at their bird. That is the proudest moment for that child. <laughs> oh, so yeah. See that. See them strutting like a, like a gobbler almost strutting <laughs> through with the gobbler up their shoulder. That is the coolest thing, and, and they get out there and they get to run around and play in the grass. We have a huge yard out there where we have it at R.A. Woods Farm, and the bouncy houses are busy. And they get to hang their bird up on the stage up there, and, and uh, we'll interview a couple kids as they come through. And you know, to see them, there's not one kid out there has a phone, has an iPod, iPad. None of this is they're going out they're out there being kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And they're enjoying the outdoors and one another and their family's there and their mom and dad's there hanging out. And you know, another great thing that, that we've been blessed to do is, is to give these kids some really cool 
prizes, we, we use the NWTF scoring system. So, you know, whether it's multi-bearded bird, single bear, whatever, you know, biggest bird wins. Yeah. And we, we, we give plaques away that Mr. Sandy Brady makes from first through 10th place. And every one of the first through 10th place kids, if they, if they do not have a lifetime North Carolina hunting license, we buy them one. Wow. Nice. And if they do have a, right, right, which is a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't have have one growing up. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. But then we, yeah, and well, thank you. And and we give, uh, we give them that. And if they do have a lifetime license, then their secondary replacement prize is a shotgun. So, so Mossberg donates shotguns. CVA's done some really good stuff with their shotguns too. So, you know, these kids get a lot of really cool stuff. And as we push down the list, one through 10, if every kid that already has a lifetime license, we just go 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. I think, I think we give away 15 or 20 lifetime licenses last year. We just kept giving them away. Yeah. Oh um, my goodness. That... And that'll, that'll pay. Now what's funny is when you see a eight or nine year old kid kill a big bird and he sees that shotgun laying on the table <laughs> And he gets mad when he don't get that shot. <laughs> and um, their mom and dad's like, no, son, trust me, this is going to pay off for oh, you way yeah. better in the long run. Just trust me. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. Well, and there's a lot of kids, especially the ones that you guys take on mentored hunts that are not raised around that stuff probably. That's going to change their life forever. Whether you guys know it or absolutely. not, it's going to change their life forever. Yeah, and that's that's our goal is, you know, we've already got the kids that, that their their dads or uncles or whoever granddads have have taken them hunting before before this and they it's kind of uh, they they enjoy it and they love it they that's a part of their life that is their that is their lifestyle that's yeah their, you know their way of life and so with the ones like you're talking about I, mean, I took a kid one time that that lived in Raleigh he'd never been. And he was just so excited. We could see the bird in the tree way off gobbling. He flew down and came. And he missed him. But that kid had a – he wasn't upset. He wasn't mad. He was grinning from ear to ear oh, because yes. he got to experience that. Something he'll never forget as long as he lives, I'm sure. Something he'll never forget. And, and all you can do is plant that seed and hope that it sticks with him and he wants to He wants to go fishing. You know, he wants to go back turkey hunting again. He wants to – to go to a gun club down the road, shoot ski, shoot a gun, shoot at the pistol range, do something to get outdoors and, 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 and celebrate that. And that's, that's our goal. And, and we've, we've, um, we're pretty proud of it. It's, you know, definitely, you know, God's had his hand on it, but man, we're, we're really blown away at the impact that the pirate classic has had. And honestly, it's caught national attention. We won best Jake's event of the year nationally I think two times at the NWTF convention maybe three times we have we won it wow wow. nobody nobody's doing anything remotely of that size and you know I'm not going to take credit for it Miles wouldn't take credit for it It, it's 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 a perfect storm of that part of the state having great bird habitat oh yeah Yeah. with, with a lot of ag there's some big timber creeks um, you know, gracious landowners, gracious hunt clubs. You know, uh, a lot of guys that, that want to take some kids hunting, or uh, that do take their kids or their their nephews or nieces or whoever hunting, and, 
and uh, our, our turkey habitat and population more than that is, is tremendous right now yeah you know oh, a, lot yeah. Of, a lot of places in the in the other parts of the country are are kind of low but um due to different you know variables but right now that part of north carolina is is thriving with 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 the wild turkey oh yeah absolutely absolutely we've seen it when we go down to hunt with strut masters it's mm-hmm. it's crazy from one end of the state to the other the difference it's insane yeah you know I, it's obviously a lot less people which help <laughs> which help you know it's bigger bigger tracks of ground you know 100 to you know five hundred thousand acre farms out there big wheat fields and beans and corn um and you know it just they have the habitat to thrive yeah and i don't i don't think and i don't know this because i don't live out there but i'm pretty sure for whatever reason that a lot of guys out there have helped control the the varmint population which really helps the turkeys thrive oh yeah yeah they've still got guys that are coyote hunting every night and they're coon hunting every night they can and trapping and doing all that stuff and all those things they they matter yeah, absolutely, they matter, and that and it adds up, and it's like, okay, well, this is working. Let's keep it working. Yeah, you know? and, and and so that 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 pirate classic has, you know, it's, it it spurned another idea out of Miles. He was sitting around. It was the weekend after Strut Masters, and he was watching our uh, pirate classic, excuse me, and he was watching the Masters golf tournament, and he sent me a message. He goes, "Hey, man." He goes, I'm sitting there watching this golf tournament. I said, yeah. I forget who was winning. We were talking about the, about the golf and whatever. I can't play golf worth a flip, but I love to watch it. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, what if we what if we used the, 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 the formula of the Pirate Classic and did it for adults and somehow use it, use it to obviously let's figure out a prize system, but use the Strut Masters to, to benefit the Pirate Classic with a lot of funds raised from – the team entry fees and, and sponsors and that guy thing. I'm like, man, let's get on it, son. So we formed strut masters with that concept of, excuse me, sorry, but, uh, outage your man. Is it, is it bad pollen up that way? Not yet. It's getting there, but it ain't there yet. I've We're been about suffering for days. My, <laughs> my eyes are swelled up. I've been scratching. It's been rough. <laughs> Yeah, we're sorry for that cough. After what's going on? I, I've got a. I, I take. I took a Zyrtec, but sorry for the cough. But no. anyway, I, I stopped midstream to to uh, had a had a squirrel thought about the. That's why I was coughing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he's like, let's get some let's get some some jackets made. Let's put let's come up with a logo. Let's get some jackets made. Let's let's give the winning two man team as a two man team event. Let's give them you know. Let's do a jacket presentation like they do at the at Augusta National. Let's let's come up with some some money money prizes and uh, I think it'll be a big hit. I'm like heck yeah! So we started reaching out to those same people. Like Miles is very connected in that part of the state with his family business, and he just knows a lot of people. I know a lot of a lot of folks in the hunting industry and sponsors, you know, companies. And so between us, and and we actually uh, used a lot of the local guys out there, friends of Miles and mine. Now, uh, we created a board, a board of a member members, and um, they help us in so many other ways too. But uh, that first year was the COVID year. Yeah. So we did all this planning. We Miles and I, we we got the business started. We we put a lot of our own money and time 
<clears throat> into getting it going and then COVID happened. And so we're sitting here going, and you know, at, the, at that time, our, our, you know, our state was shut down and, you know, our governor, he, he wasn't too fond of anybody doing anything. And, yep. You know, folks was, we were on that verge of getting fed up with it. Yep. Just, just, you know, it was still scary. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I it's a scary thing, but you know, so we're like, man, do we, do we have to cancel this? Do we have to, what are we going to do? And we talked about it. It was like, well, man, it's an outside event. It's not mandatory. Heck with it. We're going we're to put up signs to encourage the social distancing stuff. Because at, at that time, we didn't know anything. Yeah. Nobody yeah. Right. They, talk, they talked like they did, but nobody knew what was going on. Yep. So we just did the best we could, encourage folks, hey, if you want to come, great. If you don't, great. But we're going to have it. Well, there were so many perfect storms that first year because no nobody was able to do anything. Yeah. And folks were chomping at the bit to get out, get outdoors, get outside. So as you guys know, campers, side-by-sides, four-wheelers, boats, you couldn't find one. No, so, no, not at all. And <clears throat> Right. Nobody was going to – I mean, they canceled the NCAA tournament. Yep. That was billions of dollars down the drain. And, and, and so along with that, all the country music, all the concerts, no matter yep. what genre of music, was canceled. Yep. NASCAR <laughs> races, NASCAR, everything. NASCAR, NASCAR races. Are you kidding me? Yep. Um, it was, what, four, four or five weeks, Christian? We didn't hear gentlemen start your engine? Yeah, I think it was six weeks, I think, right at it. Six, six. okay, good. I knew it was quite a while, but... yeah. Um, so anyway, excuse me, we, we started reaching out to everybody. Of course, I called Michael and Cole Pepper and Nate Hosey and Birdsong and, and of course, Hal Schaefer, my buddy, I, you know, produced Drop Zone and, and, uh, got around to calling my old songwriting, number one song hit writing buddy Red Akins. I'm like, hey, Rip, we're doing this. Love you to come, you know, come play a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a, a turkey hunting competition. You can turkey hunt got a place for you to stay uh you know free entry for you guys because you're, you're you're playing all this stuff and what do you say goes, well I, I think i can make it work i don't know I'll, I'll try to bring some guys with me so so on that stage that night and we had a great event ton of birds checked you know, i think we had like 55 or so teams that first year which to us blew us away yeah oh yeah and you know, granted, there was a lot of expenses that first year because we didn't really know what we needed to do, but we had a lot of gracious sponsors. And uh, first place team won fifteen grand. Second place team, you know, it, it, it like seventy five hundred. We we paid out a lot of money. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, on our event stage, we had the stage where the turkeys were and the awards were given. And in the event stage, we had Red Akins, Dustin Lynch. Yep. Tyler Tyler Farr and Nate Hosey playing that night. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, you guys were there. Yeah, we oh, were there. Yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, Rhett, Rhett and, and uh, Dustin are up there playing. They FaceTime Luke Bryan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was I mean, crazy. Was like, hey, Luke. Well, and Luke, well, here's the thing. We didn't know Luke was in bed with COVID at the time he was sick. Yeah. And, uh and uh, but they FaceTimed him because they couldn't remember the words to uh, what was it? I don't. I think it was a yeah. Yeah, I, don't I want think this so. Not to end. Yeah, <laughs> and then turns out he couldn't remember the words either. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I remember, and I remember late earlier that or the day before that Friday, we were out scouting birds that morning, and then I took Red and uh, Dustin to lunch over at Ribeyes, and uh, we were. I was just that was that was uh, right before Red or uh, Luke Bryan um, released the Bill Dance fishing song. Yeah, that that Red co-wrote, and he was playing it for me in the truck, and we were riding on the road, and I was like, dang, that's a good song, man. And uh, I said, Dustin, how long has it been since you actually played in front of a crowd? He said, 13 months. It's like, holy smoke. So those guys were chomping at the bit to just pick a guitar up and be normal again. For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, luckily it worked out to where, you know, Rhett actually, Thomas Rhett let Rhett bring his bus over with his driver. And they drove it all the way from Nashville. And, uh, Tyler Farr came. He did a great job singing and playing. Hosey, you know, Nate's a great entertainer. They all did really good. Rhett actually played probably an hour longer than I told him he needed to. Yeah, I mean, he did not want to get off the yeah, stage. It didn't was, seem like. He looked over at me one time. He goes, can you keep playing? I said, man, you do whatever you want to do. And he just kept pulling out cover songs and songs he'd written. I mean, the guy's written 30-something number one hits. I mean, it's not like he's going to run out of songs to play. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, but that first year was great and it was such a launching pad. So that, that first year we, like I said, we paid out a lot of good prize money. We had a lot of good sponsors. We had a lot of expenses, but we were able to give, give $10,000 back to the pirate classic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And last year, strut masters exploded. We tripled our team numbers and, um, uh, wasn't able to get Rhett and them back. It was just too much going on. Of course, everybody was back playing, touring and playing again. So, you know, um, they weren't able to make it work with their schedules. But Mikalay Buck came and played. We had Nate Hosey get up there and play. Styles Hari, who Styles actually, uh, he's coming back this year with Nate to play. Styles wrote, uh, co-wrote that number one song that, that Luke uh, put out a while back called Country On. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. So Styles will be back this year and hunting and, um, uh, Nate Hosey's bringing his full band this time. Nice. It's going to be a rocking, rocking good time. Heck yeah. That's awesome. And before they go on, uh, y'all, I know y'all, if if y'all, any kind of, you know, like me, you kind of keep up with what's going on in the hunting world and the country music world, but uh, if y'all ever heard, and y'all watch The Voice, you ever heard of a a young artist called Sadie Bass? Yes. Yes, Sadie's coming to play. Nice. Heck yeah. um, this is, she's a hunter, uh, this is she's fixing to go on a tour, and her her uh, she and her agent are like, man, we got to do this. So uh, we were we were tickled to have her come. So it's going to be another good another good year, man. It, the, the hard part for a lot of the TV teams because I've been answering text messages and emails. A lot of the TV teams, Waddell, Culpepper, you know, Michael Lee and those guys from Lethal and uh, uh, Backwoods Life. And a lot of them can't make it because it's Easter weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just how the calendar fell on opening day. So I feel like the local turnout will be great. I don't think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my, a lot of my TV hunting buddy teams, they won't be there. And understandably so, because that's, that's a, that's a very important weekend to be at home with your family. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, it is. It uh, is for sure. But, you know, next year we don't have to worry about it. Easter's March 31st next year. Nice. So, but it's opening day, and it's just how the calendar lined up, and we're still excited. We're going to have a great time. We've got a lot of teams signing up. Um, I think everybody's kind of waiting to the last minute to sign up because they're trying to find that one big bird that can win it. 
Of course. Oh, yeah. They're trying to get one tied to a tree so they say, can win that thing. That's right. We can't say a whole lot because actually as of today, we officially have a second team for high-watching holler hunters that's going to be entered. So Nice. Nice. Good, man. Yes, and, uh, so we'll be there with bells on. Well, we're, we're excited to have you all back and, and everybody that's signing up. And For anybody listening that hasn't signed up yet, I don't know what you're waiting on because you need to get signed up. Because after April 3rd, we're not taking any any late registration. We're not registering any teams after April 3rd. So, yeah, and they don't understand know. what kind of party they're going to be missing. It's no, so it's, much fun. Oh, man. It's so much fun. And, and you know, last year... Uh, we, when we tripled the team numbers, obviously that brought us in a lot more money. Um, so we were able to donate twenty five thousand dollars last year back to the Pirate Classic. Nice. Oh yeah. Very so nice. What that does is allows us to put money back into that nonprofit. Awesome. So if that, if that don't tell you something, you know, uh, it's it's just that important, and and that's what we want. We want kids to come out there, enjoy the outdoors, go turkey hunting, you know. And get some get some cool goodies. I mean, and some of the parents have all have given us the kind of the stank eye, but when they get their uh, their grab bag, because they'll have a, a crow call or a turkey call, and their kid will not stop blowing it. <laughs> They're like, "Could y'all put something else in the grab bag next time?" <laughs> Absolutely not. They need to learn how to use that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, that's my thing. It's like, well, here's the thing. Would you rather be doing this or blowing a turkey call? We're like, well, I understand. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, you know, it, it is funny to, to see it and, and to, that both of these events, they're back-to-back weekends, and it's almost become a, like with you guys, it's now it's, it's becoming a tradition. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm... We never would have thought that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we make a big deal out of it. We come down on Thursday morning. We make a whole weekend out of it. And the people we stay with, they're looking forward to us coming back. Like, we go down for the pheasant hunt, and the net first question is, you guys coming back down to turkey hunt? Absolutely. We wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah. it's Well, like we was talking about earlier, how used to deer and bear season was a holiday. This is a holiday yeah. for us. That's, that's, that's our big celebration. Way to kick it off. Yep. Well, it's opening day of turkey season, man. You're going to be in the woods anyway, you know, and you guys are going to be hunting. You might as well come hang out with us. We'll have a really good time. Hopefully kill some birds. Hopefully you guys win some prizes. But if nothing else, man, you know that you're, you're helping us uh, with with our mission to to grow and keep the Pirate Classic relevant, keep hunting in the – keep passing it on to that next generation of kids in the outdoors and, and at the same time you're you're having a chance to win some good prizes hear some dang good country music some 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 old school classic rock nate's gonna bring bring to the house and and just hang out with everybody man it's just it's a fun time yeah it's just a bunch of people getting together to celebrate the sport yeah and, everybody's there uh, for the same purpose yep well, i guess it, i guess it's, it's great too because you see folks start putting their their lawn chairs down at three o'clock in the afternoon yeah oh yeah they got to reserve that spot you know music's not going to start till i think a little after six this year or seven and so it's like you know we're gonna have to but i can tell they put their chairs down and get them a spot and go over and get them a a sam jones barbecue sandwich or, or a bill's hot dog and we're gonna have a lot of vendors this year uh as well east coast waterfowl um Spring Hill Outfitters is one of our main sponsors. They've been with us from the start. Trent, those those guys are great. They're going to be out there with a the booth. Uh, Big Rock Power Sports. Um, 
Leupold is our title sponsor. They've been great. They're going to have a team in it. Uh, Nomad, uh, old Jason Hart's going to be there. And, uh, and uh, Mossy Oak, because he works for Mossy Oak now. And Yeah. Uh, I met Jason years ago. He used to work at Under Armour. And uh, he was around when Under Armour and Realtree started up a, a, a licensing relationship. And Under Armour started making Realtree camouflage uh, technical clothing. And so I've known Jason that long. Um, Mossberg, uh, Carolina Calibers, you know, Josh Richardson and those guys, their store there in, in Aiden. Yeah. They're a big sponsor. Uh, Mountain, uh, not Mountain, uh, uh, Yeti's, Yeti's sending a bunch of prizes again. They've, they've been on board since the start due to my relationship with those guys. Um, Doug Henry, Chevrolet, and um, Sam Jones Barbecue, of course. Uh, we just got so many good sponsors that they just believe in it. They get it. And they, they hate outdoors real estate. My, the company I'm doing, uh, uh, real estate with these days they they came on board as a big time sponsor just to, to support support that uh, that part of the state and that that goal and that mission so we're uh we're we're proud of it and and blessed by it and and thankful that everybody feels the same way as you guys do you know? yeah and we got it so well and we're just thankful to be a part of it we're glad y'all let us come down and have a good time with you and like i said we have a ball every year that's one thing about us. We're going to have fun no matter where we go, and we have a lot of fun down there. So, Well, I'm glad, man. I appreciate you saying that, and you guys have an open invite. So, um, you know, you know, we're, we're all – you know, the, the hunting industry, the outdoor industry is very small. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you, you know, I've been in it a long time. <laughs> but, well, ever since I got out of college. But it's it is a small world. And you know it's easy because you can know so many people. Uh, it's 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 just a neat community, and so it's nice to have everybody there to celebrate it, but also to have some new folks to invite some new people to come be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, and we try to bring new people down every year, and like I say, we've got uh, we try to spread the word as much as we can with this platform and our YouTube show and everything else. And I mean, it's just. It's a lot of fun. If anybody's listening, you guys don't haven't done it yet. You need to do it for sure. Like it's worth the trip, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, man. We're, yeah. we're excited and um, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun. Heck so yeah. I can't wait to see you guys. Yeah, man. Well, you speaking to you your uh, <clears throat> your relationship with Realtree and stuff. While we had you here, we yeah. was going to dig into that a little bit if you got a little bit of time. Oh man, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like I said I've been doing this a long time and I I think this is my 25th year of golly 25 years unbelievable <laughs> I was I was a a junior at Appalachian State and um I didn't need to do an internship the, the communications department up there didn't require it for graduation but I was like man I want I want to do something fun you know, I, I did some radio and TV stuff there. I was, I did some, I called some of the football games back in those days with some guys. And that was really cool on, on, on uh, WASU 90.5, the app. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's a campus radio station. And, and so that was cool to, to, you know, I had a, I was a DJ on the station. We did all kinds of stuff, did TV stuff. So I was, enjoyed it. But man, I, I remember I was on, I was watching, I was sitting there watching Monster Bucks 4. 
And, you know, Monster Bucks, the VHS tapes, y'all might be a little too young to appreciate it. Oh, no. Monster Bucks tapes were the deal, son. Absolutely. Like, you ran over people in Walmart or Roses or whatever store to get those suckers. Yeah, buddy. Dang right. That was my childhood. I actually, a couple weeks ago, I actually found some that were still in the Walmart wrapper, and I bought them for, like, a dollar a piece at an antique store. Yes. And I got them and put them in my living room in I've my little carryover. Probably cabinet. got the first ten seasons at my dad's house. Yeah, I've got. I still got some in the cellophane, man. And yeah. you know, nobody at that time, other than the Drury's, Primos had some some good stuff. Mossio had some good stuff, but at the time, nobody was showing and filming. Big deer like real tree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I was at Appalachian State and I was watching, and you know, I remember watching Monster Bucks 4, and I was like, this is so dadgum cool, man. And even they'll tell you, David and those guys will tell you, Michael, Monster Bucks 3 and definitely Monster Bucks 4 was when they really turned the corner from a footage and production value. (laughs) They turned that corner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I I grew up in Denver, North Carolina, in Pumpkin Center, North Carolina. And I went to high school with Hank Parker Jr., Billy Parker, old catfish. Oh yeah. And so Hank Parker, they they lived on Lake Norman here. Hank Parker's office was at the very it was on Highway sixteen right there at the end of the of the, of the, the, the the old dirt road my grand grandparents lived on. And I, I was like, man, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can do an internship with Hank Parker on this fishing show. I, I didn't know anything about the outdoor industry. I didn't. I know that I thought it'd be cool to, to work for, you know, a fishing show or a hunt show or whatever. But I had no clue. There, was, this was when the internet was, was just an idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The in, email was in very infant stages. The internet was you might find a couple pages that were just like parked pages that had no interaction. It was just a page. Yeah. And it was dial up. It was whatever. So I called and set up an appointment with Hank Parker at his office there in Denver, North Carolina. Came home from school that, that weekend and had a great meeting. Um, Hank was so nice. Like he still is. I saw him two weeks ago at a, at a uh, uh, MLF uh, fishing tournament here here on Lake Norman. I saw him. And we, you know, I'll get into that. But he's like, man, I, I don't really have any any kind of work for you from a from production side. He said, I've got one camera guy that films all my shows. He said, my production work's done out of Dallas, Texas at, at Forty One Entertainment. And he said, man, I just can't help you. And I said, well, what do you think if I I called somebody like Realtree? And he's like, well, he said, that's actually a good idea. He said, you, you definitely could get in, in in with those guys as maybe a production assistant or a camera guy or something. As a matter of fact, I'll try to call Bill or David for you and try to help you at least put your name, put a good word in for you. Yeah. So I'm like, thank you. That was a Friday. No, like, man, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So I spent the weekend with my family. I drive back to Boone that Sunday, and I go into the old Boone Walmart. And you remember the old Walmart? Uh, back then, in the the hunting fishing section had a had a one way in one way out entry. Right? Yeah. So at the end at the at the, at the entrance there was like a, a, a magazine rack, 
and it had all these magazines. Well, there was a Realtree Outdoors magazine sitting on the rack, and it had a picture of Bill Jordan in some of the Realtree snow camo with a huge Canadian buck he had shot at the Northway Outfitters or whatever up there in Canada, Saskatchewan. Yeah. So I picked the magazine up. The magazine might have had 20 pages in it. Very thin. You know, it wasn't like the big, thick North American whitetail back then or whatever, Buckmasters, but... I picked it up, I thumbing through it, and I'm like, how am I going to get in touch with these guys? Because back then, if you wanted to find somebody's phone number, you dialed 411. Yep. <laughs> yep. And asked the operator uh, the information line. So and they, I knew they were in Georgia, but I didn't know where. And I looked on the inside cover of that magazine. At the very bottom in the fine print, it said, Jordan Outdoor Enterprises, 1390 Box Circle, Columbus, Georgia, 31907. I, mean, I still have that memorized today. Gosh. That's awesome. So I went back to school. I took, I bought that magazine. I went back, went to the computer lab because I, I didn't have a computer or a laptop. You had to go to the computer lab on campus to, to get on a computer. And uh, I typed up a cover letter. I typed up a resume. Very limited. Yeah. <laughs> limited oh, yeah. Resume. yeah. And uh, just explained, hey, I'm a student. App State would love to... Uh, an opportunity to work for you. I forget what it said, but I went to the to the, the campus post office and put it in one of those mail envelopes. And I remember thinking, "Heck, all I can do is say no." Yeah. Dropped dropped it in the mail. Well, I didn't think a thing about it, man. I really didn't. I was like, "Ah, eh, whatever." Go to school that week. Go to class. Go home that Friday, and I pull in the driveway. And my dad meets me at the door. And he goes, "Hey," he says, "Hey," he said, "Yeah," he said, "Yeah," he said. Realtree Outdoors just called looking for you. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. It's a guy named Steve Finch. Here's the number. Well, Steve Finch was the main producer there at Realtree. Him and Michael Waddell were the main editors and producers at Realtree back then. Steve and Michael were the masterminds behind Realtree Road Trips. Nice. You know, Steve, Steve and Michael's concept of that show changed outdoor TV forever. Yeah. Oh, yes. So... I get on the phone with Steve, and I, I was so excited, man. My dad was pacing back and forth up and down the hallway listening to us. And, um, you know, I was on the landline, the old curly, cool, curly Q core telephone. You know, back oh, yeah. Cell phone. And um, we talked about things, and Steve said, man, I think we'd love to have you come down. We're going to film our Monster Buck 6 uh, TV segues in the cabin up here in about a month. Come down, we'd love to meet you. Um, we'll, we'll spring for a hotel for you. We'll let you work and meet everybody. I'm like, man, this is freaking great. Yeah. So I go down there. First person I meet is David Blanton. David, and David is taller <laughs> in real life than you think he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He really is. I saw him in um, South Carolina. He's stretch. Yeah. And so met David, and then I sat up there with Finch, and we're, we're looking over editing. I'm looking at all this footage, and I was blown away from a from a production standpoint, they had all these editing computers and these editing suites. They had this big control board where you had to, you know, you had to manually go in and, and, and you had your, your inputs labeled. So you had to take your, these RCA jacks and plug them in with these, these four foot cords into, into one jack and then, and then uh, match it up to a, another input down the line that was going to help two tape decks or a digibeta tape deck in the computer communicate. So 
This was way before hard drives. Yeah. <laughs> you had all these beta tapes and these machines, and you, mm-hmm. it, it was, I can't even explain the, the – it was – don't get me wrong. It was, it was you know, digital editing, but very, very, very elementary. Yeah. Style. Oh, yeah. And all your footage and your, your, your media was on tapes. It was tapes. So you go to the shelf, tape was labeled, tape number 9002, whatever. All right, boom, plug it in. Plug it in, go to, time, go to the time code, three hours and 43 minutes and 17 seconds and, 30, and 29 frames, whatever. So I'm sitting there, and, and all of a sudden, this guy comes up, hey, we're going to lunch today? And I was jerk. I'm like, oh, crap, that's the man right there. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, yeah, let's go. And so I go to lunch, and then the next day we were setting up for Monster Bucks Segway at this cabin. So it's a big production. We had a production trailer come out of Atlanta from, with Triple Horse Productions, Carl Horseman. Those guys are great. And I was just a gopher that week. You know, whatever they needed, I did. And it was just great to hang around with them. Yeah. And um, got to meet, you know, Bill, David, Michael, of course. Uh, and, um, you know, went back to school and, just was blown away because actually they paid me for my time being down there. Like they, they bought my meals, paid for my hotel and paid me a production assistant rate for being down there. So I was like, man, that's, that's unheard of. Yeah. So oh yeah. Get back home. And maybe two weeks later, David Blanton calls me and he goes, Hey man, loved having you. Um, kind of want to pick your brain on maybe you coming to, to, to maybe film some hunts for us. So I'm like, Holy smokes. Why? Well, Here's all I could do not to cut a backflip. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, David, I'm, I'm going to graduate in the fall. Of, this was this was, this was like May of 98, right, right around the time the semester was ending. So, man, he said, we'd love to, you know, have you come film this fall. Well, I had one more semester of college left. I'm like, golly, I, you know. I'm like, well, heck, you know, it, it's, I can't turn this opportunity down. Yeah. Right. So, I postponed, I post. I canceled all my fall classes, postponed it. And in August, in early August, I was in Columbus, Georgia and started, you know, learning the cameras and, and, and um, you know, kind of getting the feel. And that was the, the first year ever we had a real tree. And as far as I know, anybody camera school where they brought in three or four freelance guys. Actually, the, the Primos guys came over, Brad Ferris, Kenneth Lancaster, and Jeff Sherwood came over from Primos. Wilbur sent him over to, to learn and, and kind of get some, take some notes on how to film film hunts and do better. And we had a ball. I mean, we had a really, that was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot, got to know everybody. And so that the fall of 98 was my very first year of filming hunts for Realtree. That's and I awesome. screwed up a bunch, uh, learned a lot, but I worked my butt off, which I think they, they noticed. And... You know, that got me, I went back to school in the, in the you know, January of 99, I went back to App State, graduated in May, and then I was a, I was back living at home, fresh out of college, broke, <laughs> and yeah. David said, hey man, we, we got to have you, we, you want to freelance again this fall? I'm like, yes sir, I'd love to. And so, fall of 99, same gig, a little more seasoned, and then at the end of 99, David called and offered me a job to come to work for Realtree full time. So I moved down there in early 2000 and uh, did that for eight years. I worked at Realtree for eight years, man. We, we, um, it changed so much, man, because that's when I moved to real 
to Georgia, that was at the end of the old uh, the TNN days. So, yeah, yeah. You know, TNN TNN was a great network. Yeah. And when Viacom bought it, it changed, and so the Adult Channel was in the in the infant stages of their growth. And so, you know, 2001, 2002, Road Trips was born. Bill took Real Tree Outdoors over to ESPN2 with their outdoor block. David handed me the keys to Real Tree Outdoors to produce it. Steve Finch and Mark Womack co-produced Road Trips for Michael. And we had two, two major shows on two different networks. And all the while still doing the Monster Bucks tapes, which turned into Monster Bucks DVDs. And... Uh, that was, in my opinion, the golden age of outdoor television. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. I'm sure anybody um, would. Yeah. And it is, you know, in 2006, five or six, it started changing. You know, the cameras started being more affordable. The Pursuit Channel, you know, the there's a couple of the networks that were that were. <laughs> coming along and it was giving you know folks a, a, an avenue and so it just changed social media myspace you know was created and, and there and this little old college network college network called facebook yep. came about and uh you know it just uh it's just it's crazy how how much it changed with social media uh taking a hold and and when you start seeing the, the DVD sales die off out of Bass Pros, Cabela's, Walmart's, you really know things are changing thanks yeah. to YouTube and yeah. anything like that. So um, it's changed a lot, man, in, in these 25 years um, in certain ways. I mean, it's still, it still comes down to the storytelling. You've got to be able to tell a good story. Right. And I think a lot of people uh, – a lot of people – don't realize it but whether you are successful in the hunt or not there's a story to be told oh yeah oh yeah and david black said this years ago and he is 100 right he said if you ever film anybody he told us that this is the camera school he is guys never underestimate the, a miss filming a miss he said a miss is more valuable than killing a 180 on video and of course, we're all thinking, "Yeah, right." A 180 whitetail, yeah, right. You know, but he went on to explain it, and he's like, "Think about it. How many guys do you know have killed a 180?" We're like, "Well, at that time, on my hand, I knew about three or four. Yeah. And that I, you know, and I said, and and but he said, "How many? How many do you know that's missed a deer?" Of course, everybody's missed a deer. Yeah. Just so like that relates so much better. And why not show that dejection? Show show that hunter getting upset. Show that you know shrugging the shoulders and I don't know what happened or I hit that the mare hit that limb or I just pulled my shot whatever. Yeah, and we've all been there. so that early on let me know. Hey man, I need to film a lot more than I'm filming and and telling that story because and that's why road trips is so successful. Finch filmed everything. Yeah. And Michael knew, Michael was so aware of what was going on. He was just being Michael. But at the same time, these characters and these trips and things that Michael would be a part of, he could pull he could pull the best out of someone on camera that had no idea of being on TV, but that was that's what made it so good. It was so impromptu and so candid and genuine that there was nothing fake about 
Yeah. Right. And that's when you get your best stuff. When you're filming or you're in the moment, whether you're filming or not, just life happens. A moment in life happens. The coolest stuff happens when you least expect it. And so as a production guy, as a storyteller, my job was to always be ready. Yeah. And to be thinking, be, be so much in that moment thinking, okay, this is, this is a good conversation or this is fixing to happen or whatever. And I need to be filming this. So I just get recorded. Yeah. And I got way more cooler stuff than I ever thought I would because I was hitting record and being deliberate about my, my, my efforts on, on trying to tell that story. And one of the better stories I I tell about that side of it is this was like Oh three or Oh four. Uh, it was early January. David had a, had a late season Illinois hunt book for him and Gary LeVox. He used to be lead singer for Rascal Flats. And it was a lot of rain that, that time of year. Then it got cold. Well, the Wabash River and the Ohio River that joined right there in that southern part of, of Illinois where we were hunting, they were flooding. They were, the water was rising like two feet a day. True. So a lot of that, that low, low ground up there, that low farm ground and, and whatever was flooding. So it was pushing all the deer out of the crops and out of the timber into the higher ground. Yeah. So David myself and another video guy named mike mckenzie god rest his soul mike uh actually died he fell out of a tree stand and got killed several years ago mike Hmm. was one of my best friends mike invented the easy hanger mike invented the camera arms and bases that we all use to this day that design that original design was mike mckenzie's he was that innovative that that type of mechanical minded guy but a super good guy heck of a hunter anyway so we go up there and, and this outfitter is trying his best, but all the ground he has is underwater. So I'm running around, Mike's filming David. I'm running around, and Gary's on hold in Nashville. I'm running around just getting shots of like flood signs and fields flooded and just all kind of stuff that I can do to help, you know, get support footage of what we're experiencing while they're in the tree showing deer walking through a cornfield up to their up to their tails and in, in water yeah and so or swimming in some some cases and the outfitter he was trying his best and i, I saw that look on david's face i'm like we're fixing to go back home we're <laughs> we're not staying much longer for this and he said well i got a landowner that might let us hunt david goes let's go meet him right now <laughs> end up being a really cool looking piece of property and of course we filmed that conversation and david calls gary hey come on up well, the next day, you know, about nine o'clock that morning, Gary and I go into this little stretch of timber tree line, and it might have been 15 yards wide. And then there was an open field in front of us and a big block of timber to our right, about 50 yards. We hang a tree stand. Like, oh, I think this looks good. There's some trails right through here. Looks like a good little pinch point. Two hours later, I filmed Gary kill a 170-inch nine-pointer. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So... We go to the dead gum VFW to check it in, and people actually recognize Gary. And this one guy had like 16 empty Budweiser's in front of him, and he was the one that recognized him, drunk or not. <laughs> and so I'm filming all that. It, it was just, but had I not filmed all the stuff that led up to, you know, uh, David being dejected, this this is not good, all the floodwaters, we don't have anywhere to hunt. Had I not filmed any of that, we wouldn't have had a story. Yeah. All you all you'd have seen was Gary killing that big deer and, and, and not that that's not great, but 
it went 180 degrees in a matter of hours. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And had I not had – and here's the thing. All, I was doing my job. If we didn't kill a deer, big whoop, what are, what are we out? You know, we're, we're there anyway. We might as well try to tell that story. Yeah, so, yeah. So all I'd had was some really cool footage to maybe use down the road. Now we had a TV show. That's we had a story. And so um, – that's that was that's always the example I use with guys that ask about filming or is how much filming is too much filming and, and there is there's a fine line there you just have to kind of feel feel your way through it but I've just done it so long uh, you know obviously that I, I I just I know what it's going to be and I don't I'm still learning I still learn every trip I go on what what's good or bad or what's going to work but um you know I've edited enough and, and, and filmed enough just like any other any other job you you experience matters yeah absolutely um so yeah man it's oh we lost him again dang internet cut out that time did it yeah we'll get him back here in a second i'm sure yeah we'll get him back guys I think that's a good spot to take a break real quick and we will be back shortly with the back 40 skull sessions podcast this segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Realtree, the official camo pattern of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Be sure and check out Realtree's newest pattern, Realtree Timber, to stay concealed all season long. I've got a problem. What is it? I've got this trail camera put up, supposed to be cellular, and I cannot get it to send pictures to me whatsoever. Was it a Tacticam? No, it's some other one I picked up, I think, at Walmart. Well, there's your problem right there, man. Tacticam has the best trail cameras on the market. As far as the cell cams go. Really? Yeah, they pick up in places that no other camera will. They send pictures to your phone, and you can set it to send once a day, twice a day, or every time it takes a picture. So you mean to tell me it's still going to get out and send pictures in these rough, awful parts of this country in Appalachian Mountains? Man, it sends me pictures in places my cell phone won't even get out. Really? Yeah, so you need to pick one of those things up, because you don't know what you're missing. I think I'll do that this evening. Go get your attack camera bill all right guys we're back with the back 40 skull sessions podcast sorry about that john we lost you again real quick i'm sorry hang on one second guys hang on i'm gonna get where i can talk better too i'm i'm uh, having a hard time here hang on it's all good it's all good like we said guys sorry about that we have some technical difficulties from <laughs> it, time to time look, it wouldn't be our podcast without having technical difficulties it wouldn't I mean, be anything we're involved with if we didn't uh-huh. have technical difficulties we, but that's right him talking about stories uh-huh. of the hunting industry i mean this is our story of our life it's a constant struggle <laughs> so <laughs> might as well tell it how it is oh i was just thinking that my stories are boring y'all to death and y'all don't <laughs> <laughs> not hardly I, I i get i'm terrible like when i'm listening to somebody tell stories like that i just get quiet and listen yeah I, I grew up always listening to people tell stories and i just i love taking in and listening and learning how how somebody went what people went through to get where they're at and, yeah, and, exactly. to, and do these things so i'm terrible not to even talk i'll be dead silent just listening and taking it in myself and terrible not to respond or the, listen at all yeah and, and it's a good point i remember sitting there and listening to my my grand my papa my papa was telling fishing stories and hunting stories and just stories about growing up and um you know it's hard not to get choked up talking about them they were both blue collar men and and um my, my my grandpa sigmund was a was a brick mason his whole life and and just you know an awesome awesome guy loved the quail hunt my grandpa tate he loved a rabbit hunt squirrel hunt and um he was 16 years old and him and three of his four of his, him and 
three his other three other brothers. He was 16 years old. They all signed, he had his dad sign him in to go into the Navy for World War II at 16. Holy cow. Wow. And by the time he got through basic training in the Navy, he was 17 and was on the USS Intrepid in, in uh, the South Pacific and um, <laughs> shot. He was, he was a gunner's mate and a, and a gunner, like a deck gunner. And um, I've read his letter of uh, uh, his honorable discharge or commendation letter that he got my grandma's got the, obviously the original copy, but um, he was credited with shooting down at least ten kamikaze pilots. Wow! Wow! Seventeen-year-old kid—that's insane. Holy cow! And, 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 and I'm telling you, you can't get a, a kid that age to cut their own grass these days. No, no, no it all. it was a different that, breed that of man back is then. A different generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a different breed back then. And think about my other grandpa. He was seven years old. Grandpa Sigmund was seven years old and started laying brick then, you know, and doing blue collar jobs. And he laid brick for 40 something years. Yeah. was like Popeye, man. He, I <laughs> guarantee it. I'd say so. Uh, yeah, I get, and I had an old Brown and Auto 5 shotgun. Both of them did. My papa Tate did too. Them old Brown and Auto 5 shotguns, more humpbacks. They used to carry them things bird hunting and, and squirrel hunting and stuff and, and quail hunting. And um, I've got my grandpa Tate's old brown, and he he gave it to me before he passed away. And um, that thing's in better shape than I am. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. But anyway, it's, it's but like listening to them tell their stories. That's that's our family. That's our history. That's the that's something that that I think is is lost. And nobody writes these things down. No. Uh-uh. And my advice, I want to do it. To, I want to write some stuff down. And, and I try to keep a journal of, of all my trips, which I, I'm very bad at doing. But I've got a handful of them and just thoughts yeah. that hopefully some, someone will enjoy someday. Because, you, you know, you have so many and, and things go on. And you, 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 a lot of your, your, your family's story gets lost. Yep. yep. Yeah, and that's... Um, and, and, you know, thank God that it... it uh, you know, <laughs> folks wrote, wrote all the stuff down from the Bible and these other history books and things that <laughs> we wouldn't have. Any, we wouldn't have. You know, it's just really scary to think how quick a lot of that history could could have been lost. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, and that's one thing we've discussed is doing a series off of our podcast where we go around and talk to. We call them basically like the legends of bear hunting around here because bear hunting's yeah. a big thing in this area, and we go and take our podcast set up into their house and just sit there and listen to them record stories because these guys have got stories from their grandparents and everything i mean and it's a lot of history of the hunting of hunting itself that has never been told before yep and if everybody don't get it from them while you can who's well that's it we lose them every year we have Mm -hmm. one or two that we lose every year and before long all these guys are going to be gone yep yeah, and, you, and then then, then the, their their knowledge and their experiences are gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's imperative to to and, and you know it's so funny. I remember growing up, and <laughs> not that I didn't think my parents knew anything or my grandparents knew anything, but because they'd lived through a lot harder times than I ever even can even comprehend. I mean, both sets of grandparents grew up during the Great Depression. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 it's like, you know, they knew the exact meaning of, of what it was to not have. Anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then 
you know, I've heard of people's grandparents having like 17 flathead screwdrivers. Why do you need so many screwdrivers? And, and I have to, and, and sometimes I probably say too much, but it's like, look, that, that man right there grew up and didn't have anything. Yep. So you didn't, you didn't, people like that, you don't throw anything away. No, uh-uh, never. Because you may be able to use that, that old bumper from that 49 Ford 20 years later for something. You don't know. That's right. Yep. I remember my, my great grandfather used to straighten nails and put them back in a can. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Ain't that crazy how far we, we just, we just throw them away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I and mean, those are folks that are out there straightening nails to use them again. Yep. <laughs> Cause there's nothing wrong with them. No, no, they're still good. And like you say, we're, he we're grew up in the man. depression so, too. So, yeah, exactly. We're spoiled. We're so spoiled. Because. <laughs> And that's what's wrong. I think we we kind of circling back to a little bit the evil in this world. But I, I think, especially with America, we're so spoiled. Since World War Two, we became such a, a, a more of a superpower than we already were. But we've never had to want for anything. No, no, no. And I don't we've think never it's truly. I don't. I don't think it's been done out of ill intentions. But they always no. say the road road to hell is paved with good intentions. Everybody wants life to be easier on their children than it was for them. But yeah. in doing so, at some point, I feel like we've gotten a little bit too easy. And yeah. to like you said, we we've we've raised several spoiled generations. I mean, we're one of them. Yeah, and we really are. And, and I'm, I'm I'll never know what my granddad saw in the South Pacific. I wish I would have asked him more questions about it. I was his only grandson and he probably would have told me maybe not everything, but I really wish he would have told me more or I would have asked him more. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I would have heard more quail stories, bird hunting stories of my grandpa Sigmund and just whoever. And that's, uh, you know, uh, I've been able to do a lot of really cool things in my life man I, I i just can't even imagine i mean I, if you'd have told my my 10 year old self this i'd have laughed at you <laughs> oh yeah well I, i'd have laughed at you at 21 years old the week before i, I went to real tree i'd have laughed at you. <laughs> um but you know i've got to meet a lot of really cool people a lot of really i mean famous people and singers and nascar drivers and baseball players and but you know and they're all great and, and and it's fun to meet meet those folks that you you know are your, kind of your heroes the people you look up to because you realize they're they're normal yeah just cause just cause they're you know successful and, and on a world stage they're still normal people and they want to be treated oh, yeah. normal yeah. and I you know um, since 98 my one of my my one of my trips that year was to the Perlis Ranch, and so I got to go and hunt with with uh, Chipper Jones and film Chipper kill a big ten pointer down there. And Chipper and I've been buddies ever since. Wow. And uh, Foxworthy was on that trip. I got to meet you know Jeff, Jeff's brother Jay, who's still a good buddy of mine. Jay, I'm a big I'm a big North Carolina Tar Heel fan. Jay actually played football at Duke in the '80s when Steve Spurrier was coaching Duke. Oh wow! So when we met. And he realized where I was from and who I was pulling for. We, we, we were butting heads. We hit it all really good, you know. And so, um, that same year, I got to hunt. I got to be in a hunting camp with Dale Earnhardt. 
senior for an North Carolina boy growing up 30 minutes from or 25 30 minutes from from DEI yeah I mean uh, Earnhardt was uh, I mean are you kidding me I mean, yeah I mean, if you don't get much better than that I wouldn't imagine that's my biggest idols is is, is Dylan Hart Michael Jordan and John Wayne you know (laughs) oh yeah it's like like, uh, so (laughs) we sat down in that hunting camp in Texas that day and I looked over my couch across the way I was daggum Dylan (laughs) (laughs) and he found out that I lived over there in Pumpkin Center and um he said, you keep secret. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, I want you to come over to my farm and I want to get some footage of some of my deer I got in there. Well, Dale, Dale had, had 300 acres over there behind DEI where he lived. Had some bass ponds and stuff. And he had a he had a, a, a fence around it. And it, it was, the, the I think, the legal law or the legal uh, fence or considered high fence at that time in the state of North Carolina, was eight feet tall. Yeah. Dale's fence was seven feet, 11 inches. <laughs> <laughs> he had some big deer walking around in there, and I'd, he'd, he'd pick me up and put me out in the in the, those shooting houses. And those shooting houses were nicer than most people's houses today. Oh, wow. And uh, I'd film all these big deer, and they'd come out, and I'd film, get them, he'd pick me up after dark and ask me what I saw. And, then I would take the beta tapes with me when I'd go back to Realtree and, and dub them. We call it dubbing, making copies, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'd make a VHS copy of the deer and send it to him. Gosh. That's cool. Uh, that, that's awesome. That's freaking cool. So I was 21 years old filming Dale Earnhardt's deer for him. You couldn't <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't bring You can't come up with anything you can do son uh-uh. and, uh, and so I mean I'm literally like just pinching myself like what the heck this is this is so cool and, and and Dale was just a normal guy he didn't want to be treated different you know he's a blue collar guy worked on the farm and loved to hunt and loved to fish and that was what's really cool for us from a real tree standpoint of we got to be around Dale in hunting camp when he wasn't the intimidator yeah, you know, yeah. he was at the race tracks he was Dale Earnhardt the Intimidator. He wasn't Dale, you hunting buddy, and, and whatever. And if he picked on you, he liked you. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things that I always, uh, but I also knew that he trusted me and liked me for inviting me to his farm and letting me film his deer, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and invite me into that world, because he didn't have to do that. No. Um, and I've got tons of good stories of every hunt I've ever been on with people and and the famous people are great but the ranchers and the farmers that we've met the outfitters and the guides those are uh, there's a family one of the families that that live on the milk river in montana they're like my third set of grandparents i still call them every every christmas eve and talk to them um they're just this world's full of good people man yeah you know don't don't let the media tell you it's not because there are yeah but one of my favorite all-time stories is the Dale Earnhardt story. And it was the year before he got killed. We were hunting at the Kiske, old Don Kiske farm in Iowa. And it was Bill Jordan, Ned Yost, who used to be, at that time, Ned was the third base coach for the Braves. And, you know, Ned went on to coach the Brewers and then the Royals, yep. Kansas City, and won a World Series in Kansas City. Great guy. Ned and Dale met on a hunt 
years before that in Mississippi and became really good buddies. And so we all go to Iowa. So David's filming Ned, Michael's filming Earnhardt, Mardell filming Earnhardt, and I'm filming Bill. And so we go up there, and like the day we get there, it snows like 16 inches. It was, and it was freaking cold. It was that December uh, second shotgun season. So you can hunt with a shotgun or a muzzleloader. Yeah. And it was pretty darn cold. Um, we hunted a few days, and Dale had to leave early to go on a Texas Budweiser hunt because that was right around the time that Budweiser had signed Dale Jr. to that big contract. Oh, yeah. Because he was driving for DEI. Yeah. Yeah. And Dale was mad because he had to leave because we, we really were having a good time. And he was finally able to let his hair down and, and relax and not think about business. Right. And he had to leave. So he was kind of, you know, grumpy. And his pilot, Mike Collier, great, great guy. They were staying at Don's parents' house. Don, Ned, or Ned, Dale, Bill, and Mike were staying there. Me, Waddell, and Blanton were staying up at Don and Candy's house up the, up the road about a mile. And Dale had some stuff up there he was going to pick up on his way to the airport. Well, for the trip, Bill rented an Explorer. And Don Kiske and Candy had rented a Suburban. And Don had his ranch truck. And we used these SUVs to get everybody out to the tree stands easier because there was so much snow and whatever. It just made it simpler. Yeah. So Dale's driving the uh, Suburban. And they leave. And they're in front of us. And Dale and or, uh, Bill or uh, David, me and Michael are getting in the Explorer. <clears throat> My, uh, David's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. Michael's on the back left side. And we, we're going up to the other house, and we get behind Dale and them uh, to, we we're going to get our camera here to go film that afternoon. David was going to film Ned, I was going to film Bill, and I think Michael was going to tag along with me and Bill. So Dale's up there in front of us in the road. He's kind of fishtailing, and it's, it's just deep, deep snow on the roads. They had run a motor grader through it. It was still deep. Yeah. He's up there fishtailing and having a good time like a kid. I look over at David. I said, David, you don't have a hair on your ass if you don't try to pass Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> <laughs> and David got that little little snickering, snickering, <laughs> and, uh, and he floors it. And here we go. And we're, this is a snow-covered county road in, in southern Iowa, right? We're going down through there, and Dale sees us coming on. He floors it. And David gets on his bumper. And then he's brake checking us, and we're we're I mean we're going forty fifty mile an hour. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and so David and then Dale kind of moves over a little bit. Well, David gets up and gets alongside of Dale, and we're hauling the mail down this road. <laughs> and I look over, so that about this time we get alongside of him, and I hear Michael go, "Some got somebody's got to live through this this crap." Michael puts his seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> I look over, Candy Kiske's in the pasture seat, squalling, crying, re- like her, arm, her hands are shaking, like yelling at Dale to stop. <laughs> Mike, Collier, Mike Collier's in the back seat, just shaking his head, and Dale's got that crap-eating grin on his face. Uh-huh. Just look, one hand on the wheel, looking over at me, like you know, like he always, <laughs> yeah, like a mule at Briars, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so we get, we end up. He actually slows down, and, and David, we get past him. And um, 
I'm like, wow, yeah. You know, Michael's like, yeah, heck yeah. All of a sudden, we get rammed in the back. Of the <laughs> Bam. Bam. He hits us like three times in the back end, and it's all David can do to hold on to it. Right? <laughs> and and he is pushing us down this road, and we're coming up. We're coming up on about a ninety degree turn in this county road, and all that, all that's out in front of us is a is a big ditch and a and a cut bean field. Come yeah. We're freezing and flipping out through this beanfield. This is not going to be good. <laughs> oh, and Dale and Dale backs off. Dale backs off, and and we slow down and we go around the, the curve, uh, safe safely, and we get up to the to the house up there. And so, of course, Michael and I jump out. We're we're pointing at Dale as they pull in the driveway, and he takes that suburban and rams it into the back end of that Explorer. This is Bill Jordan's rental car. Yeah, <laughs> he rams it into the back end of it, dents the bumper all the heck. We're like, oh crap, you know. And he gets out, and Michael's like, yeah, baby, we passed Earnhardt. And I said, heck yeah. Good job, David. And Dale comes up and grabs me and Michael both by the collar and pulls us right up to him. And he said, only because I let you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, That's so awesome. that was, that was pretty crazy. And, you know, was, he, he didn't kill a deer that trip, he ended up going back up there after Christmas to hunt that last few days of the season. Ended up killing a big 160-inch 10-pointer. Don filmed it. And Dale had, Michael had borrowed Michael's original, it was one of the original Thompson Center Encore muzzleloaders. Yep. And he killed that deer. And I was up here uh, for Christmas uh, with my family. And Dale was going to, the plan was Dale was going to fly in Give me Michael's gun so I could drive it back to Georgia with me. Well, I called Dale, couldn't get him on the phone, and I had to be at work the next day. And I had a six-hour drive, and this was, it was dark, you know. I was like, this is late, you know. I didn't know what. So Dale finally calls me. Hey, man, I just landed up here in Statesville. I got Michael's gun. Do you want to meet me? I'll do whatever you want to do. I said, man, Dale, I got a long drive. I got to be at work tomorrow. I said, man, let me just. He said, I'll, I'll, just have, I'll just have my folks mail it, mail it back to Michael. No, don't worry about it. It's all good, you know. I said, yes, sir. That sounds great. Uh, man, glad you killed a big deer or whatever. Never talked to him again. Dang. So, hmm. when I'm, I mean, and you never know about life, and that's just one of the things I tell people. is like, don't ever miss a chance to say something, to do something nice for somebody, to go spend time with someone just because it's an inconvenience or whatever, because you never, you never know if you're going to get to talk to him ever again. Absolutely. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I look back on, and there's so many, you know, regrets in life. You could say regrets, but you know, it's learning, it's learning too, learning experiences, but I'd really wish I would have just told David I was coming in late because I was going to get Michael's gun from Earnhardt. And I could have go, I, I could have went and shook his hand one more time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's crazy. <clears throat> but you know, he, you know, I can also think back and, 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 and just be thankful that I was blessed to know him and that he knew me and we yeah. got to share oh, yeah. together. And how cool is that, man? Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, how many you know people, there's really, when you think about it, how many other people can say that? I mean, yeah, it's those I mean, type I'm of memories. A very, very handful. I mean, a, a few. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the only person. Like, granted, he was, he was, you know, deer hunting buddies with a lot of guys. But right. He, for me, me to be able to say that, old boy from Pumpkin Center, North Carolina, absolutely. Uh, that's that's 
you know, pretty darn cool, man. Yeah, and, that's uh, awesome. I mean, for sure. But the, 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 you know, it's, it's been, it's, it, I'm blessed, man. I, <laughs> we all like to complain about things, but that gun, man, when I sit there and look back on, I look through pictures every now and again of, of some of the, the trips and the things I've been able to do. It's like un- unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. To, to think, you know, where I've, where I've been and where I've, what I've done, where I've came from and where I'm at now. And, you know, it's, um, it's better than I deserve. How about that? You've I lived the dream, that. that's for sure. Yes, sir. I, I've, I've, lived, I've lived that dream. That's exactly That's awesome. Right. That is so. awesome. <laughs> that Boy, is awesome. That that was great. I, like, yeah. like, I'm, I'm terrible to sit there and just sit there and just listen and listen and listen. But, man, no, that I was – I, I, I love those stories. I do, too. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I got plenty more of them. I mean, but I um, – uh, maybe we can save some for for another podcast. Yeah, about yeah to say, well, I don't think it's be the last time we have you on. No, here, we'll no save them for another podcast because uh, I see us doing several of these in the future. <laughs> well, good. That's well, awesome. I just appreciate your, y'all's time and having me on, man. And uh, um, thanks for letting me let me jibber jabber for a while. Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on like always, and we're looking forward to coming down hunting strut masters. Good luck Thank with the uh, pirate classic this weekend. We wish you wish you all the best. And well, good luck with y'all's youth hunt too, man. Are you talking about y'all's youth hunt? That's going to be good. Yes, yes, sir. That's this Saturday as well. We are excited. I think we've got, I think, like 55 kids signed up, I think, which is which is pretty good, you know, for our area, for what we got going on. It's hey. pretty good. And like I say, that's 55 kids out hunting and not doing yep. something else. So, hey, well, the, the birds are in trouble. That's exactly yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> We're excited. Well, I, well, good. Well, y'all should be, man. And I'm, I'm happy and proud y'all are doing something like that in my opinion there's not enough of those type of events out there and mm. granted they are a lot of work but the reward outweighs it it is times over. it and is so worth it for sure you guys are gonna definitely have a good time with it and, and i think the pirate class is gonna be another good turnout and heck man i guess we'll see you guys in about a week and a half yes yep. sir we are looking forward to it we'll be there with bells on yeah we'll be down on well, uh, thursday i guess so yeah we'll, okay we'll, we'll be there um, we'll let everybody know uh remind everybody man ncstrutmasters.com get signed up the registration's there uh recommend registering on a laptop or a pc we've had some glitches when folks try to register on their phones yep found that out so yeah exactly so yeah you did you found out the hard way yes sir um um just uh remind folks to definitely sign up on on a laptop and get signed up and be a part of it and, and uh we're gonna have a really good time. So yeah, and even if you if you sign up, even if you don't kill a bird, make sure you go to the event. Like you will have you a blast. will have a blast. If you don't hunt, yeah. the music and the event itself is 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 a great show. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks guys very much, and I appreciate y'all being involved, and, and looking forward to having you again. Yes, always. sir. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take a break, and we will be back shortly with the Back Forty Skull Sessions podcast. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Mountaineer Outfitters, the official outfitters of Appalachian Holler Hunters. Visit them online on Facebook or Instagram, or visit them in person at 65 Haynes Road in Newland, North Carolina. Open 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, 8 to 12 on Saturdays. Stop by and see them today for all your hunting and shooting sport needs. So I had a guy come in the shop the other day and said he saw a giant buck cross the road in front of him. Oh. But I have no way of knowing who owns the property you run onto. Yeah, you do. How? You get the Onyx Hunt app. What is that? It's a mapping tool. 
you can see how big parcels are, who owns those parcels, and in some cases, get the tax addressed where you can either send them a letter or go knock on their door and see if you can possibly hunt their property. Really? So I can use that app to find out who owns that property and possibly get permission? Yes, sir. Well, heck yeah, pull it up. Let's get on there and find out who owns that property because I'm telling you, he's a monster. Let's do it. All right, man. All right, everybody. We are back with the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. That was freaking awesome. This has been a, a, a good one. I mean, <laughs> I don't much. I mean, I mean, we go from talking the political state of the, the and everything going on, and then we get into turkey hunting, and then we're into Dale Earnhardt playing bumper cars on the snowy road. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how do you get any better than that? Dude, That's freaking awesome. I mean, that. I, like I say, I, I can just sit and listen. All yeah, like, absolutely. I'm terrible. Dude, we're, I'm not you necessarily, but I'm terrible at the hosting things. I just want to listen. <laughs> I just love to listen to this type of these stories. Uh, That's what it's all about. Well, me and you about. both were sitting here with our freaking mouth. Just our jaw dropped open. We're like, holy like, crap. Oh, That's so crazy. freaking like, cool. I, like, those are just cool stories. Stuff yeah. Like, I mean, it goes back to what he was talking about. You know, these are just real people. Yeah. Like, I mean, same way whenever I worked on NASCAR and met some of these guys and had some of these, you know, similar experiences. Yeah. They're all just real people, but it, I don't know, I guess it makes it cooler to an extent that it is somebody that, like you say, is on that world stage that, that noticed everybody. Well, and as a kid growing up watching that stuff, you, you don't want to say idolize because I, but you kind of do. To an extent, yeah. I mean, these are these people that you look up to and it's like, I hope one day maybe I can like that's the right. goal is to get to that point and just right. to meet those people. It's so cool. Yeah, it's just so like cool. I mean, same scenario. Like when he was talking about that stuff, that was I was kind of reflect like you know it's kind of cool how I went doing the same thing, looking up at, at Tony Stewart. Yeah, and then in, in that fashion, and then getting into NASCAR and working for him and working for that team and this that and the other, and then even filming for the hunting show that his crew, his longtime crew chief does you know yeah like it's the small stuff like that it's like it's just cool to, to have those experiences and to hear him relate to the, his experiences like that with Dale Earnhardt and all these other great people like yeah it's just cool it's, it's just, just neat like neat you say stories. it's cool but all right guys well we are going to close it up we're going to wrap it up here I think we've got enough for today yep. um we want to remind everybody about the Appalachian Holler Hunters Youth Turkey Competition this it Saturday. will be Saturday April the 1st and it will be at the Avery County Cooperative Extension Center up in Newland. We're going to have a stage. We're going to have all kinds of inflatables. We're going to have prizes to give away. Um, we got barbecue going to be there. Has he told you what the price is per plate? He has not. I think it was like $8 a plate last year or something mm, like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's right around that, I'm sure. And you get a ton of food for the money. Easter egg hunt, uh, cornhole, BB gun shoes, BB gun shoe uh we've got axe throw uh kids axe throw we, yeah. we don't have not, real axes out here for youngins to get their legs and arms cut off so yep. we're it's safe foam axes let me rephrase so we've got all kinds of events for everybody Everything. in the and family rain or shine yep we're, we got we indoor have, or outdoor yep if it rains we will be inside safe and out of the rain and warm we have no problems there so come regardless we, yep. we don't kill a bird show up if you ain't hunting it's like we talked about with Strap Masters. If you ain't hunting, come and show up. You're yeah. going to have fun. Raffles. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. Yep. We've got a couple of guns we're so. raffling off and then all kinds of other stuff that we've been donated and we've bought. And So just come. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sure is. And then after the that, thing, we've got Strap Masters. Strap Masters, Easter weekend. That's going to be a ball. And then our, our turkey hunt. Our, our adult forgot. turkey hunt. Yep. April 15th, we're doing... Our first annual Appalachian Holler Hunters Turkey Classic. 
$1,000 for top prize for the biggest turkey. Second place is $500. Third place is $300. Yep. And then we've got some other stuff for a couple other places out. We're going to do some, we've got some pot calls and stuff we're going to give away. So Two-man teams. Two-man teams at $100 a piece. You know, and our cash prize is guaranteed if we have a minimum of 18 teams. We yep. have 18 teams. As long as we get at least 18 teams, we're paying that cash prize out regardless. Yep. We will not lower it otherwise. So we're, as long as we get 18 teams, there will be a $1,000 first place. Yep, and we've already got guys signing up. So We've got them signing up left and right. It is going to be good. What is the date on that one? Uh, April the 15th? 12th. No. April 15th for the actual date. Deadline to get signed up is April the 12th, I believe. Yep. Uh, like three days before. So yep. That way you can't wait till the very day before and sign up if you do have a bird or not. So yeah, and you, you have to be signed up and you have to be paid before yep. the day of the event. If you're having trouble getting it paid online, stop in the Mountaineer Outfitters. We'll take your money, get your Elk registration done. Elk River Supply will do the same. Um, but you have to be signed up in order to be yep. eligible for yep. the prize. Yep, Kids Day, we can be a little bit slack and we can help because it's for the young. And yep. so we gotta, you got to be more strict. Yep, yep. So, when you got $1,000 on the line, you yep. got to be... Got to keep the rules pretty strict so. nobody dropping fishing weights down the turkey's throat we will be metal detecting these turkeys when yep. we weigh them yep metal detecting lie detector test the whole night <laughs> uh, if you drop you a know, weight I'm down the turkey's if we throat we got a lie detector test whoever won i'm sure would still lose because they'd be so scared yeah people around in here well they do it for strutmasters strutmasters you have to pass a, a yeah, polygraph a polygraph i'm you done it up here some of these mountain mountain fellers that ain't never done anything like that they'd They'd nervous fail it. Yeah, I'd be nervous. I'd nervous fail the one at Strutmaster. So <laughs> we lost so much until so much bull crap on a daily basis. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways. Everything comes out of my mouth. The truth. Oh yeah, I know it. That's how I am. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, all right, guys. Well, as always, we want to say thank you to all of our sponsors. I do not have the list in front of me, and it is nine thirty at night, so we're not going to get into all that. But everybody that supports us. Thank you for your continued support. All of the local businesses that done sponsors, uh, sponsorships, hundred dollar sponsor things for the youth turkey hunt. Thank you so much. Thirty seven of them. We've we'll, we've got a list. We're yep. going to do a whole thing on our next podcast forum. We've we've got some good stuff coming. And we're going to list them all out on social media and all that stuff. But thank you for everybody that supported us, guys. I've been hoping and praying and promising this for it seems like six months. Go to YouTube. There's three new episodes of Appalachian hey. Holler Hunters up. I don't know what happened. We hired a new uh, producer. Yeah. It was my twin brother. I was going to say it's your girlfriend, but... Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I ain't going to say that wasn't a good boost. <laughs> it wasn't real. She's not really a producer. She's just the one with the whip in the background saying, come on, get hey. this done. Hey, it'll work. What else y'all do with it? We've way? got episodes coming up, and season three is rolling in just as... <laughs> what did you say? Wait a minute. I, I, I said, what else y'all do with that whip? <laughs> I thought that's what you said, but I missed it. I was I was rolling into the next thing, and I don't even know what we're talking about. Whoosh. Wow. What was I saying? Is that why Anyways, you were late? What? Is that why you were late? No, I was running, Couldn't getting get. stuff for the kids. Let me go. Let me go. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyway. She, she listens to this podcast. Yeah, she does. does She's she? like, she, I, she listens to this before we oh, hers together. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I know. Take it easy on him next time. Let him loose. <laughs> Unshackle yeah. him. Let him get here on time. Uh-huh. Anyhow. <laughs> back to what I was saying. We had to go off the rockers at some point during yeah. this show. 
Anyways, season three is coming in hot. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got all kinds of cool stuff coming to uh, YouTube. It is, we're going to, everything goes the way it is and on track. Hopefully, if we're lucky, we'll have, uh, we're rolling right into our turkey stuff from 2022. Yep. And as soon as we do that, we're going to have 2023 turkey footage rolling right in behind it. As it happens. Yep. We want, uh, uh, there's a word for it. I think it's live ish live fin- it ain't live, it's, i can't remember the, there's a there's a there's a term for it but i can't remember it because it's late and uh anyway we will anyways, have it's going we're going to be we're going to join the masses and uh post as everything happens so yeah, so we we'll roll harvest, through, we're going to be posting it just a we will roll after. through turkey season and then we will start into last year's deer season and bear and season bear season right into and, this year yep. as it happens so we're season three is really two seasons in one so yep. season three is going to be packed yep I'm so excited. Editing has been sweet so far. Everything's coming together just right. Cool new intro. Same, you know, it's same intro, but everything's updated. Yep. We got some cool new sponsors rolling in going to help us out, and it's going to be sick. Heck yeah. But as always, guys, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, whatever platform you're listening on, if you don't care, um, share it, like it, subscribe, follow it, hit the notifications, leave us a rating, write us a review. That really helps us move up through the numbers. And as always, thank you for listening to the Back 40 Goal Sessions podcast. Yeah. Struggled on that. Everybody knows everybody is. Well, they sure as hell know me. In that map dot town, 65 southbound in the middle of Tennessee. Yeah, I left black marks on every turn too sharp like voodoo can generally. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Realtree, the official camo pattern of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Be sure and check out Realtree's newest pattern, Realtree Timber, to stay concealed all season long.